Hey everybody, this is Sensei Anthony coming with another episode of the Karate Chronicles on Thursday, November the 2nd. I want to talk about drills. Now, as most of you know, a drill is a predetermined set of movements designed to help a person acclimate to certain kind of stimulus, trauma, attacks, whatever you want to call it. And the fact of the matter is, there's a ton of good benefits that come from drilling. Muscle memory, it warms you up, it gets you engaged, it gets the you know the endorphins flowing. I'm a fan, and I think that largely most people enjoy the drills because it does in fact simulate something that they can't necessarily or don't necessarily want to encounter all the time or ever in a real confrontation. My question for you though is, what exactly do you expect to get out of your drills and how do you go about improving them. Most schools that I've seen start with one step drilling. One person steps through with the punch, that's called a jab, and the defender defends that, throws a return technique, and they start at the beginning. Now, I am a fan of drilling, but I think that they need some serious overhauling in most schools and in most classes. I think that drills are necessary to show people what it is they're trying to accomplish until they actually can feel it and know what to do themselves intuitively. But I think that most schools go about it in a way so that the students don't have to think for themselves. And I think that's very dangerous. My father used to always say, the situation will dictate what you do. And I actually did a wave earlier about the fallacy of targets. And what I mean by that is, of course, you defend yourself, you have to hit something back. But having a predetermined set of targets may cause you to freeze if you're looking for something every time and it may not be there in a real confrontation. So what I recommend, what I've done in my schools were, schools, (laughs) yeah, right, school, singular. What I did was I would address the stimulus, trauma, attack, whatever you want to call it, with a realistic counter. And then just to keep the person engaged and to keep them from freezing up or from stopping out of habit, I made sure that they performed a certain number of movements as a counter, not just your traditional, I block, I kick, I punch. No, that doesn't work for me. And I don't think it works in real life. This is what I mean. Let's say you're defending the jab cross, the old one two or the jab and haymaker that you'll see very commonly on the streets. After you have either blocked or parried the attacks, once you've made sure that you are safe, the next thing is for the next 30 seconds, I would have the two people drilling engage in what essence became a fight, which was 30 seconds of kicks, punches, knees, elbows, etc. I don't necessarily mean full power, But I mean, for the next 30 seconds, they had to engage each other in a way so that it wasn't just the defender wailing on a motionless, non-defending opponent. So let's say we're doing the jab cross drill. I slip the jab, I block the cross, and for the next 30 seconds, at my discretion, I throw the appropriate punches, kicks, elbows, knees, takedowns, whatever techniques are applicable to that situation. 
And I do that because it adds a much higher quality of repetition and it also teaches you to be more alive in your training. So they're not caught up in block, block, punch, reset, block, block, punch, reset. This keeps the training more alive and it also keeps it more interesting, more enjoyable. So what do you guys think? Let me know. Am I wrong? Do you think I'm doing too much? I'd love to hear from you. From those of you that have called in and made comments, I appreciate you. Check me out at martialartsoakland.com. I'd appreciate that even more. But by far, the most important thing is please be kind to yourselves and each other. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. This is Sensei Anthony coming to you with another episode of the Karate Chronicles on Friday, November the 3rd. And I want to talk to you about cross-training. Do you encourage your students to cross-train? Now, when I say that, in today's martial arts climate, people usually think of mixed martial arts, mixing boxing with Muay Thai, with Jiu-Jitsu, with Greco-Roman or freestyle wrestling, whatever they want to do. But that's not what I mean. I gave a pretty passionate wave once about whether or not martial artists are better or whether or not they're just better athletes because of the science of training and the improvements in the technological and the informational side of training. My question is, do you encourage your students to train in other disciplines? And I don't mean stylistically, like if you do Wing Chun, I'm not saying Shotokan. I'm talking about, do you encourage them to go to the gym or maybe try yoga or Pilates or anything like that? And I'm asking because I don't think people realize that nothing happens in a vacuum. When I say that, I'm talking about the fact, the statistic rather, that 90%, and this is back in 2014, so maybe the numbers are a bit different, 90% of NFL quarterbacks played more than one sport. And 70% of those played more than two sports. So sometimes the changes or the improvements or the value of cross-training in other disciplines or trying other things is not quantifiable in terms of your strict re you know, return of investment in time. What I'm saying is you may not be able to see how as a NFL lineman ballet can benefit you. But you may notice that you just don't have the types of nagging range of motion injuries that your teammates have. I contend that it may be in our best interest as martial artists, as martial arts teachers, if we don't offer a class that improves the general fitness and general wellness of your students, you may encourage them to do that. Because all things being equal, of course, technique is more important than size and strength. But I don't know any sound technician who complained about the fact that they were stronger, more explosive, more durable. I've never heard that. I think that a lot of martial arts teachers don't because they'll tell you that everything you need to do physically you can get in this martial arts class. And that may very well be true. But just like you don't expect to be a good fighter by taking a Taibo class, you can't necessarily expect your students to be at their optimal fitness levels 
if they're only taking your class instead of taking other classes whose primary or maybe sole function is to increase explosivity, endurance, um, power, things of that nature. So do you think that in doing so that you're diluting a person's martial arts training? Or do you think that they're in, going to be receiving an enhancement of their martial arts training? I personally am a fan of encouraging students to be the very best that they can be physically, health-wise, wellness-wise, emotionally, whatever. And whatever vehicles they can use or have access to to facilitate that improvement, I'm all for it. I can't tell a person not to do something that's going to benefit their training or even benefit them as a human because that's ultimately what we're talking about, right? Right, that's what I thought. So. Call in, guys. Let me know your thoughts because I think this is a really touchy su subject for some people. Cause I think it taps into ego and feelings of about people's own work as a teacher, whatever. But I've heard a lot of back and forth about this in some way, shape, or form. So please call in. For those of you that have done so, I appreciate you very much. I would appreciate very much if you checked out martialartsoakland.com and left a comment or left me an email address so I could speak with you. And of course, by far the most important thing is please, please, please be kind to yourselves and each other. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good weekend.